the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Church, what, I, what I'm trying to do is wake you up to the danger of this failure to rest. And if these symptoms seem to express things that are going on in your life, you should hear the red light going off in your car or at the very least that yellow light that says empty. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Now take your copy of God's Word, whether in print form or electronic, take it out, turn it on, and go to Isaiah, the 30th chapter. That's where we'll start today in just a few moments as we talk about this idea of rest. Just think about that word. It's one of the words that as we say it, we kind of express some of its emotive nature. Like, I feel like I need to take a deep breath and say, rest. Maybe you can do that with me. Just take a deep breath. Now, rest. That's what God wants of us. And yet, as you're going to see in these next few minutes, too often, it seems that that's not what we want from Him. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. I want you to think about your habits as a driver or automobile owner. When do you fill up your tank? No, really. I mean, that's, we're different that way. Do you do it when it's a fourth of a tank, when it's half of a tank, or, or when the light comes on? I mean, let's be real. Studies have shown that when you do this says a lot about your personality and actually even your age. The majority of those 18 to 34 fill up when it's less than a fourth of a tank. Those that are 35 to 54 usually fill up between a fourth and a half. Those that are 55 and over more often than not fill up once it's at a half a tank. But 32% of the people, and I want to see if you're in this club, 32% of vehicle owners don't fill up the tank until the light comes on. Let me see your hands. Wow. Wow. We're playing a dangerous game. And I know this because here we were, a young couple moving from our graduate studies at Southwestern Seminary and being on staff at the great Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, to our new call in Montgomery, Alabama. We loaded up all of our worldly possessions in a U-Haul. We put one of our cars on a trailer behind the U-Haul. Kimberly drove the other car, I drove the U-Haul. And we were making good time, traveling out of Texas on I-20 and almost made it to the state of Louisiana. When that U-Haul just stopped, 
I thought, what in the world? They gave me a bad automobile. Why did this truck stop? And then I looked right in front of me. There was this monitor, this little lever that seemed to go back and forth between full and empty. And it was on empty. I thought, this is not a good sign. (laughs) This is how my adult life is starting. I'm starting out on empty. And a lot of us do that in our vehicles, and it's not a good thing to do because you can run out of gas. Hello. But it's also not good for the vehicle, right? Because you get down so low that the junk in that tank begins to rustle around and get all up in the other parts of the car. It can cause all kinds of problems. And yet... I'm still still guilty of that in my car. And I'm afraid I may be guilty of that in my life. And I think some of you may be. You, you wait till you are physically and emotionally and spiritually on empty. Until you try to do something about it and often it's it's too late. Beyond that, some of us have a different problem. Our our tank is draining, and we're trying to fill that tank with something that's never going to meet our needs. It's never going to satisfy us. And so as we open God's Word in these next few minutes, I, I, I want you to see that if we fail to fill our tanks in the way that God plans for us to do so, the way He's commanded us, in fact, It's always going to cost us more and cause more harm. But before I jump into that passage in Isaiah, I want to take you back to what really is the foundational verse for this whole series. And it comes from Matthew 11, verse 28, where Jesus, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Just think about it. Could it it be that simple? Could it be that the creator of all that is made us in such a way that those greatest needs, those deepest longings, those wants that we have can be met, but they're only met as we come to him. Could it, could it be that a lot of us have gotten this wrong? That we've made this about what we do. And we're not bad at it. We may even be good at it. We check off our list of do's. But we go home and we look in the mirror and... and And who we are is not good. We're not at rest. We're not living in peace. Well, Scripture teaches that God is saying to us, just come to me with all your needs. Come to me with your deepest longings. Come to me with that which makes you weary, and I will give you rest. 
You see, this whole idea is built on the reality that God wants us to find our rest, our, our satisfaction, and our contentment in Him. And nothing else will give us what we're looking for. That's why the church father, Augustine, said so many years ago, You, God, have made us for Yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in You. I want to pray once more before we read this passage of Scripture. But as we pray, I, I want us to do so with a song in our mind. A, a song that I remember hearing my mom sing as she would work around the house as I was growing up as a child. The lyrics of the song say this, Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting in my soul. Bread of heaven, Feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. Fill it up. And make me whole. I wonder if you would take your palms and turn them up and maybe make them a little cup that you would hold before the Lord. And let's pray. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we we come again declaring who you are and all that that means for this moment. We can say we will rest in the Father's hands and we'll put all the rest in the Father's hands. So Lord, in this moment, we pray that you would speak, giving us what we need that we don't yet have, teaching us what we need to learn but we don't know and making us different. Oh God, would you redeem this time? In fact, Lord, would you sanctify this time? Lord, use even me. The words I say and even my thoughts be pleasing to you. God, what we're doing is investing in eternity. So I pray that maybe, Lord, there would be someone here today, someone who hears these words that begins a relationship with you and their eternity is changed because we've heard from you today. So here we are, Lord, with open hands. Fill our cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. And do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to understand the context of Isaiah chapter 30. But before we get to that, I want to remind you why we're talking about this subject. We started last week in the book of Genesis, and we started literally on the first page of the Bible because it says, In the beginning, God, what? God created the heavens and the earth. And, and we, we discover as we're introduced to God in, in, in this ancient Hebrew text that our God is a God of work. And, and that's important because any understanding of God should tell us we want to be like him in, in every way that we can. So work should bring glory to God. What we do should bring pleasure to God because he's a God of work. And so God worked and he created the sky and God worked and he created the the land and God worked and he created the sea and God worked and he created birds for the sky and fish for the sea and animals for the land. And God worked and he created man. And then God did his greatest work of all and he created woman. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. 
You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. In fact, we, we, we said you could look at it this way. God worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And then he rested. He rested. And so Genesis chapter 2 begins with this idea of God, who the Bible tells us never grows weary, resting. He rested. And, and then it says he blessed that seventh day. And, and that's so significant. Maybe something you've never thought of, that God blessed a day. He blessed time. He sanctified time. And in doing so, he gives us this pattern, this rhythm where he expects us to sanctify time. And we're to make our days holy. And then it says he looked around and he delighted and said, oh, this is good. And yet I, I look at those of us created in his image and, and bearing that imago day, many of us who have the relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and yet that's not how we describe our lives, a lives of rest, a lives where we delight and worship him, a life where we look at what is and say, yes, this is good. No, from too many of us were pulled in different directions and we're filled with anxiety and life is stressful and it's anything but good. We long for Eden. We long for the garden where sin had not entered the world and things had not gotten so difficult. And, and yet I would suggest to you today, it's not just the place of Eden that we long for, or not even the grace of Eden where you had that deep, close relationship with the God who walked with you and talked with you in the garden, but we long for that pace of Eden where that rhythm of time was set forth by our creator. The Sabbath, a rest. We've learned that word in the Hebrew, you pronounce it Shabbat. In fact, you often think of it as Shabbat Shalom, a Sabbath peace or a deep rest. That word simply means to stop, to cease. So what are you stopping? You're, you're stopping working. And, and so in that ancient Jewish tradition, there would be no work, but that wasn't the end of it. You, you didn't just do nothing. It wasn't stopping working alone. It was stopping worrying. You didn't worry. It was stopping wanting. You didn't want for more. You put everything out of your mind so that you could rest. And that rest made me sleeping We've learned through medical science the benefits of sleep. We see the damage that takes place when you don't get a good night's sleep. It may be quietness. It's unusual, isn't it? It's not a big part of our existence. 
but it's also delighting. It's, it's finding that which brings you joy. And, and I think as I've, I've jumped into this study, that's one of the things that is, has just caused concern in my life because I, I begin to say, what brings me that kind of joy for, for most of my adult life? I've, I've said, this brings me joy. The Lord's church and ministry brings me joy. And, and now for many years, I've said, my family brings me joy, but I'm recognizing that there should be things in my life that, that I so enjoy doing that it just makes me think of the goodness of God, which then leads me to worship Him more. Worship is what we do in this place in part to reset us, to refocus us, to recenter us so that as we go into another week, we're prepared. And yet we're, we're confused because we go from seeing this creation of the Sabbath by God to the command of the Sabbath by God in Exodus 20. That we have the Ten Commandments. And one of the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment, the longest commandment, the only commandment with a, a description of why we need to do this is to remember the Sabbath. And so is this a rule or is this a rhythm of life? So last week we, we learned that Sabbath rest is really a blessing created by God to be enjoyed through a relationship with Christ. It's not a burden just to be endured out of religious duty. So Sabbath is not less than what we're enjoying here, but it's so much more than this. It's not just a couple of hours in a day. It's this rhythm of life that God's given us. And yet, all throughout the Bible, there was this struggle with, what do we do with this thing, this idea, this mentality of Sabbath? Jesus encountered it. I told you that story last week. He was walking through a wheat field with his disciples. One of the disciples picked some wheat, which the religious leaders, the legalists, the Pharisees, they said, you can't do that. That was one of 39 things you could not do on the Sabbath. And so Jesus had to set them straight. He reminded them of the purpose of the Sabbath. And in that, he reminds us, and it, it reacquaints us with this idea of rest because so many of us, when we, we rest, we, we think of it this way, we're, we're resting from our work. And, and so at the end of our work week, we're just counting down the days, and we say, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. Or when vacation's coming, you're counting down the clock until when you go on vacation. Or, or like I mentioned last week, some of you school te- teachers are telling on yourself because about that third week in January, you start putting the countdown of how many days of school you've got left. And so you're thinking of rest as, hey, when my work is done, I can rest. And, and, and yet, no, God is saying, I, I want you to develop rest in such a way that you're resting far work. That rest is feeding you, that it's, it's fueling you, and it's empowering everything that you do. And so throughout scriptures, we see warnings to rest, and, and we even see what happens when you fail to rest. We see that God lets us fail. Maybe, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been burned out or you're worn out. And all the things that this failure to rest brings has been poured out into your life. You've learned something you're going to see in Isaiah, and that is that God will ruthlessly expose our need for him. But 
who will always be relentless in expressing his grace for us. I, I want you to think about that. Could, could God in his justice, in his holiness, could, could he allow that which is weak within us to be exposed so that we might become desperate for the grace that only he can give? And the answer is yes. That, that's who he is. That's what he does. And, and that's what we find taking place in Isaiah 30 all these years ago. Here's the context. The children of Israel are once again finding themselves in this place where another country, people who don't follow the one true God are coming after them. In this case, it's the Assyrians. And the attack of the Assyrians is imminent. And so they're trying to figure out what to do. And there are four options. One is to wave the white flag, to surrender. That's not a good plan, right? Just, it's not a good plan because then the Assyrians would come in and kill them. They would rape and pillage their wives and children. They would enslave them. It would not be good. Secondly, they could just say, all right, let's do this in the, in the power of our own strength. That wouldn't be good either because in that point in history, the Assyrians were way more powerful than this group of the children of Israel. Or they could maybe form some alliance with what would have been an enemy. We call that an unholy alliance. In other words, they're, they're um, making a compromise with the world in, in order to maybe make it through. Not a good idea. Or they could turn back to God and say, I, we can't do this without you. Now, what's interesting as I look at those is, and I think about the things that make us rest less. I think about the things that cause us not to rest. So can we just list some of those? Because they're affecting some of us in this room. You know, when we face physical illness, that causes restlessness. So some of you are battling cancer. Some of you are battling something that causes chronic pain or, or just continuing medical problems. And, and that causes restlessness, all right? It's one thing. Uh, let's think of another big one, relational tension and strife. So a marriage or another relationship that's not going well, and that just causes restlessness. I'm not at peace. I'm, I'm not calm. I'm not at rest, all right? How about a big one? Finances. Financial stress, man, it robs you of rest. You could go on and on. Spiritual dryness, addictions, Hurts and habits and other hang-ups. All of these things can rob you of rest. And so you have the same challenge that the children of Israel had. What do I do? Do I just give in? And, and some of you do. That's what we sometimes do. So you give in to those bad habits. Or, or, or you just give up on a relationship. Or you don't fight for your help. Well, or do you just do it in your own strength? That's what a lot of us do. We pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and say, Bless God, I can do this. Till we figure out that our strength runs out? Or do you compromise? Do you make unholy alliances? We give in to the ways of the world. Or do you repent and trust Christ? Isaiah 30, verse 1. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord. To those who carry out plans that are not mine. Oh. And I wonder how often in my life my God has looked at me and said, 
woe to you, Paul. Stubborn Paul, you've done it your way again. Forming an alliance, not by my spirit. You're heaping sin upon sin. Who go down to Egypt without consulting me. Who look for help to Pharaoh's protection. To Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Though they have officials in Zon and their envoys have arrived in pains, everyone will be put to shame because of people useless to them who bring neither help nor advantage. Only shame and disgrace. So Israel and then... In turn, us, we, we find ourselves at a crossroad. Do we do this our way or God's way? We choose our way, and the end result is always the same. Did you see it? Shame and sorrow. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekday mornings at 9, here on Faith Talk Tampa. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.